The Kindness Podcast is made possible by Cornwell Properties in Athens, Ohio. Cornwell Properties offers Ohio University students the best locations to live in Athens. All of their apartments are either on Court Street or within one block. Cornwell Properties. Location matters. Visit their website, cornwellpropertiesathens.com, for more information. Welcome to the Kindness Podcast. I'm Nicole Phillips. PBS has been educating kids since I was a kid, and now they're focusing on teaching the importance of being kind with an entire week dedicated to kindness and kids. Chief Programming Executive and General Manager of Children's Media and Education at PBS, Leslie Rotenberg, joins me to talk about her favorite kindness role model. What will Kindness Week entail on PBS? Okay. Well, Kindness Week is an opportunity for us to really celebrate kindness, empathy, inclusion, and resilience. And we'll do that in a number of ways with um, selected episodes of PBS Kids programs, including Arthur, Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, Splash and Bubbles, and Sesame Street, and all kinds of resources for the whole family um, including fun games and resources for teachers. Now, are these are these resources things online that they can access after watching the show? Yes and yes. Um, so there are, so for example, um, there are um, going to be specific resources for parents that we host on a site called PBS Kids for Parents. Mm-hmm. And those, that's, there, there's going to be a kindness hub so just like kind of a collection um, that includes resources about empathy, resilience, and inclusion. There'll be articles that are addressed to the parents specifically um, about how they can help build empathy um, with their children and articles about kind of anti-bullying, that sort of thing. Um, for teachers, we have classroom-ready resources to help early learners strengthen social-emotional skills, um, you know, and to help them teach kindness, empathy, and inclusion in the classroom. And that's hosted on PBS Learning Media, which is a site for educators. And then we have all kinds of resources that we're going to be distributing through social media platforms. Um, And the idea there is kindness bingo. So it's a bingo card with kindness acts. Mm, I love it. I thought you would like that. (laughs) Wow. Super fun. What Can you give away any of the acts or not? Is that a secret? That's a secret. Okay. All right. We'll keep it a secret then. So I kind of feel like PBS is just kind anyway, you know. So how, I mean, why did you guys feel like it was necessary to say, let's celebrate kindness this week? Well, we chose this week because it is Bullying Prevention Month in October. So we really wanted to line up with that. And when you think about early learners, really young children, and we really um, tied kind of focus on children ages two to eight. Um, It's best to think positively and to talk less about bullying and more about kindness. Um, And so that's our approach. And, you know, we're really continuing the legacy of Mr. Rogers. Mm -hmm. And I would say that this has been a real Mr. Rogers year. It's the 50th anniversary of his program. And um, you probably know about the uh, the movie that was in theaters. Did you have a chance to see it? Absolutely. I want to be Mr. Rogers when I grow <laughs> up. It's my goal. <laughs> I think I think he would give you some cred for what you're doing. I definitely <laughs> do. 
Um, so, you know, we're really, we're tapping into that spirit. Um, and, you know, we, we think from research that we've been doing with parents that this is really resonant today, that parents and families um, are kind of experiencing a shift in terms of tuning into their children's emotional needs and placing those emotional needs at the top of their priority list above other things. Um, they seem to be more focused on things like kindness than they have been in the past. And so um, we're really just kind of tapping into something that we believe is already there. It's already out there in terms of our audience. Um, but it's, it, you know, I really would say it's, they're all lessons that we learned from Mr. Rogers. Mm-hmm. Yep. So what shift have you seen in children's programming over the years to, to answer that call that parents are having to, you know, to really be sensitive to their children's emotions? Well, I'm going to go right back to, to Fred Rogers, you know, who taught us one of my favorite quotes of his is anything that is mentionable is manageable. So it it all starts with really identifying emotions, giving children the words, the vocabulary to to be able to name their emotions um, and to make them comfortable talking about them and that that's really the first step. Um, And we think for the very youngest children, Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood does the best job of that. And we get so much mail and um, correspondence, you know, um, from parents about how it's really helping their children to be able to talk about kindness, to be able to demonstrate it, to be able to, you know, even, you know, deal with all their other conflicting emotions that when kids are not feeling particularly kind, like really help them to understand, like, you know, why are you angry? Why are you sad? Um, Really helping them to, to give them the words to be able to deal with those emotions. I was wondering if you had heard any feedback from parents about the kinder content of children's programming on PBS versus what they're seeing, you know, elsewhere. We do. We hear about it all the time, just anecdotally. You know, we even have parents who tell us that they can tell the difference when their kids, you know, because we know that kids don't exclusively watch PBS, um, but they they actually see behavior differences when they're watching PBS versus when they're watching some of the more commercial networks, um, and particularly programs that you know, that where there might be kids who are not acting particularly kind characters, or or where there's like a lot of you know some physical violence or name-calling, um, that kids, are, you know, they tend to be sponges and just imitate what they see. Mm-hmm. And so they, they notice a real difference when they're watching PBS. Yeah, yeah. You, you're a mom, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. How did raising your daughters inspire your work? Oh, so much. In fact, I'm here working at PBS because of my daughters. So when I came here, my kids were two and five. And I was one of those parents that I just talked about. I mean, I really, I noticed the difference that PBS Kids was making with my kids. I appreciated it. I started just seeing it and looking at it very differently. Um, And so I came here to be a part of that. And um, they have been my guinea pigs all along, even now they're in their 20s. But I still show programming to them. I still get their ideas. Um, There are a lot of us who have kids on, on the team. And all of our kids um, give us feedback on the content that we're developing. And we use, you know, what we're experiencing at home, um, you know, to inform our work. And I would even say when it comes to things like kindness and social emotional development, that even when when your kids are 20, um, you're still you're still experiencing the same things. You're still going through the same things, you know, that I, I feel like these lessons are evergreen. 
you mean I'm not going to be done in a few years when everybody turns <laughs> 18? <laughs> no. Do you have little kids? I have an 8-year-old, a 12-year-old, and a 14-year-old. Yes. Yeah. I hate to tell you this. You will You will never be done. <laughs> <laughs> It's interesting because we will still, um, you know, there'll be a, a jingle from a Sesame Street song or something from Daniel Tiger. And, and we will still, as a family, you know, it's like somebody will sing, can you tell me how to get, you know, and then everybody yeah. else, how to get to Sesame Street. It's, it's like um, it becomes part of our family's pop culture. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. In fact, you know, when I learned some of the Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood songs, like when you feel so mad that you want to roar, take a deep breath and count to four, <laughs> you know, at the time I remember thinking, well, I could use this on my 16-year-old. Like, it's really not really for two-year-olds. <laughs> Isn't that <laughs> the truth? That's it was at the time, you know? We'll get back to our conversation with Leslie in a moment. But first, today's Kindness Call, sponsored by Cornwell Properties, where location matters. Hi, this is Angie Slinger calling from Appleton, Wisconsin, and I was asked to call in about a story that's been going around on Facebook regarding myself eating lunch with my son and his third grade um, friends. And when lunch was almost completed, one of the third grade boys handed me a dollar and told me it was to buy my son his lunch. And I gratefully uh, told him he could have his dollar back, but that was very sweet. And he um, insisted I took the dollar, and he handed it to me, and he said, Mrs. Slinger, if you use this dollar the right way, you could feed the entire world. And this was coming from a nine-year-old, so I asked him to repeat it. Sure, I heard it the wrong way. And he again said, Mrs. Slinger, this dollar is for you, and if you use it the right way, you can feed the entire world. So I had this dollar, and I had to figure out what to do with it. So I put a Facebook fundraiser together for the local chapter of Feeding America, knowing maybe we wouldn't feed the world, but we could feed a few people. So we had a goal of about $200, and I posted the fundraiser online this past Monday night. And astonishingly enough, uh, we so far have over $6,500 raised across 12 states, and that is going to feed almost 20,000 people. And the uh, fundraiser keeps getting shared. The news is now doing a story with it, and it is growing by the minute. So it's just a super kind story about a young boy who did a simple, kind act with $1 with the intentions to feed the world, and people are really responding wonderfully. Did you know you can be on the Kindness Podcast? Call the Kindness Hotline with your story. You can leave us a voicemail at the number in the description of this podcast. Now, back to the show. So where did you begin in PBS? I imagine you didn't walk in the door and say, hello, I have children. I like your place. I'd like to be the senior vice president and general manager. <laughs> um, no, well, I, I was working at Discovery at the time, um, and I had been at Discovery for 10 years, and um, I was recruited. So an executive recruiter contacted me, and um, I was recruited to work at, to come to PBS and have an interview, and it, the role was um, leading brand management and promotion. So it was kind of marketing and communications for all of PBS. And that's how I started. And while I was here in that role, I identified, you know, because I did have little kids and I did, I was so passionate about um, the PBS kids work that I started to identify some of the needs that I thought weren't being filled. And so I pitched 
a new role on top of the role that I currently had to um, the then head of, of PBS. And she said, yeah, go for it. <laughs> um, and so my role just kind of, my current role just developed um, while I was already here. Because you said, I want that job. Let's do that. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, in true PBS style, they said, go for it on top of the other job that you're doing. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so, yeah, and I did it because I loved it. And so it just kind of grew and evolved. And now it's, it's, it's everything I do. I imagine being invited to Fortune's most powerful business women forum is a pretty big honor. How did that feel? Um, that was like it feels like a hundred years ago, but it was really um, it was really impressive to see. I mean, I felt like I was a nobody, but there were some really impressive women there, and just hearing their stories, you know. And I just love hearing people's stories about kind of how they overcame challenges and how they got to where they are. Um, and, I, you know, I'll bring it back to Mr. Rogers because I feel like it's one of those evergreen lessons. Um, and I was actually thinking about him and talking um, to my brother uh, yesterday who had just seen the, the, the Mr. Rogers film. Mm-hmm. And we were trying to distill, like, what are the messages, like the key messages um, that made him who he is? And what we came up with was listening. Mm. This idea of, um, and, and, and you, you just triggered that for me when you asked about that conference, but this idea of like listening, and I think it's an element of kindness, like, and he did this, he listened to people in a way that most people don't listen, because he gave everybody the benefit of the doubt. I mean, he saw every individual and he thought, um, if you're angry right now, it's probably because of some childhood trauma that you suffered. And so he, he just really was able to see people in this very pure way and to listen to them with kindness. Yeah, it seems to me he saw everyone as broken and yet didn't pity any of them. He was able just to say, well, what was that like? How did that make you feel? And it's kind of like what's revealed is healed. You know, um, you put it... What's mentionable is manageable. That's right. Mentionable is manageable. Anything that's mentionable is manageable. You know, I mean, this is terrible to say. It's more of it, but... Whenever there's like some kind of terrorist type of thing that happens, you know, just something very uh, unpleasant and awful that we're dealing with, um, with somebody in society who like, you know, takes a gun and starts like killing people. I think about this and I think about, you know, what happened to that person? Mm-hmm. And it probably happened to them when they were very young. Um, and like kind of what went wrong and how, how were they not... Who was not kind to them? How were they not nurtured, you right. know? Right. And I, some people blame that on TV. So, you know, I mean, what's your response to that, to those people who say, well, you know, there's too much violence on TV? Are, are yeah, you well, in agreement I, I, with that? I agree. I okay. agree. I think there's too much violence on TV. I mean, I think that media is really powerful. Mm-hmm. And it can be used for good or evil. And at PBS, we choose to use it for mm-hmm. good. You know, I mean, I think it it really can affect people. Um, uh, but, you know, I think we use that power in a really positive way. And again, that goes back to Mr. Rogers, this, this idea, which was pretty revolutionary at the time. Um, and if you saw the movie, you saw that he... You know, he was so upset when he saw people throwing pies at each other on television, which is so demeaning, right? right? And he thought, wow, this medium can really be used to demoralize people or it could be used to build people up. And he chose to use it to build people up. Mm-hmm. And so I do think the media is a double-edged sword, which is why I think it's so important that it be in good hands and it be, it be used for good. 
I feel like the media is a lot like kindness in general. They say, well, you know, if there's a problem, you know, what can one little person do? What can little old me do? You know, from your perspective, is there something or some things that that parents especially can do to combat that? First of all, you know, I think parents are the most important individuals in any child's life. And so they have more influence than the media. And so I think even if kids have seen something terrible on TV, something that that, um, that has affected them in a negative way, I mean, I, you know, I'm thinking back on when my kids would have nightmares for something that they saw. I mean, I think the parents talking to their kids and helping them to kind of unpack what they saw, how it affected them, who made that, why did they make it, what were they trying to do, you know, just kind of like really contextualize and um, discuss any media for I think that the parents can have an ameliorating, you know, kind of effect on the media. I think they're more powerful than the media. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll, I'll turn this in a positive way that we've seen some research that shows that when kids watch Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, um, they, ha- they develop uh, greater empathy skills. So that's just one research kind of tidbit. But when their parents talk to them, about Daniel Tiger's neighborhood. They talked to them about the episode and what they saw. The effects are, are magnified. They're much greater. So that discussion between parent and child is really the most powerful thing that can happen. Well, and, and for parents who are listening who are thinking, well, that's a cartoon. You know, I put that on so my kid can do that so then I can go do something else. Um, I My kids kind of giggle at me because I still like to watch Mr. Rogers. You know, I'll pull it up online and um, I find when I watch those sorts of shows with my kids that I find ways to ask questions and cope with things that I didn't know that I needed. You know, Mr. Rogers was was the king of leaning into people and saying, you know, what does it feel like to be in a wheelchair? You know, I've never had one of those before. What's that like? Um, yeah. Yeah, and so I can, you know, for parents who are like, I don't know, I encourage you parents to to just sit down and watch a good old-fashioned cartoon with your kids because you will enjoy Sesame Street, I think, as an adult as much as you did as a kid. That's true. That's true. And we hear from a lot of parents who really do enjoy it. Um, But I also like to tell the parents who are busy, because I was one of those, Mm -hmm. and feel like they don't have time and like, oh, my goodness, am I a terrible parent if I don't watch it? that I still think there are ways that they can engage with their kids if, they're, if they don't have the time to watch the whole thing. You know, it's like you can ask your kids, what did you watch? What did you learn? What happened? And so if they, if they don't have the time to actually watch the media, I think at least engaging in that conversation and listening to their kids and what their kids took away from it, I think is, is really meaningful and important. Excellent. Excellent. Can you share with us, Leslie, any um, favorite kindness stories, personal kindness stories that you just, um, you know, ways in which kindness has touched your life that you've done or that someone has done for you? Um, well, what's top of mind for me, because I'm just in this Mr. Rogers frame of mind, mm-hmm. is um, I'll share with you a story about when I um, first met him. And I only met him Wait. two times. But- Are you kidding me? Oh. No. I have I, a I Mr. Only- I have a Mr. Rogers <laughs> mug. I have like quotes for you know. You should see my house. It's a little bit scary, a little stalkerish. Is it a shrine, a little bit of a shrine. But I'm, you got to meet him. Yeah, I met him twice, and and they're indelible. Like the, I have such strong memories. But the second time, 
uh, I w- went with him to the White House, and he was being honored. It was part of an event that we had there. And what struck me was his kindness. So what what happened at the White House, it, you can imagine, I mean, it's really this very formal place. And um, it happened more than once where one of the security guards who was working there came up to him and said, Mr. Rogers, you changed my life. You made me who I am today. I'm standing here working at the White House because you made me, you helped me to believe in myself. And his kindness to that security guard, he treated this guy like he was the president of the United States. You know, I mean, he really, he looked him in the eyes, he listened to him. Um, it, it really, it made a huge impression on me. Mm, just that he would take the pause there, or, or what is he saying specific words? It, you know, it wasn't anything he said. I think it was, um, it was the respect. It was, it was really the respect that he gave this person mm. that elevated this person for me and, you know, made me kind of like stand back and pause and think, you know, that's somebody that I might have just walked right by. Mm-hmm. But he didn't walk by people. Mm. You know, and that's a, uh, that's an, act of kindness that all of us can take with us. You know, it's Mr. Rogers can live on in all of us just by actually seeing the person in front of us, I guess, and, and treating them like they are very, very special because, you know, he really believed they, they are, right? Yes. Leslie, thank you so much for talking with me today. And, and really, thank you for doing a, a Kindness Week on, on PBS for kids because I just feel like that's you know, I, I, you've always done quality programming. It's always been very fun, but I love the intentionality of, of kindness happening on television. Well, thank you. And thank you for your kindness podcast and for continuing to talk about this. That was a conversation with Leslie Rotenberg. You can join the fun of Kindness Week starting Monday, October 1st on PBS Kids. Also, find them online at pbs.org parents or on Twitter at PBS Kids. Thanks for listening to The Kindness Podcast. It's produced by WOUB Public Media and relies heavily on the kindness of engineer Adam Rich and intern Chloe Meston. I'm Nicole Phillips. We hope you'll subscribe to The Kindness Podcast wherever you listen and find us on social media at Kindness Podcast. If you like the show, make sure to spread some kindness in the review section. 